Hey guys, I'm Kenz. And I'm Ash. Welcome to the Crime Potatoes Podcast. Grab your snacks, get comfy, and let's get to it. Welcome back. Another week, another episode. Here we go. Uh, this week, I'm going to be telling the story of Mark and Lori Hacking. I'm just going to go there. Uh, my case sources today are Wikipedia, Murderpedia, CrimeLibrary.com, Deseret News, Crime Salad YouTube channel, The Salt Lake Tribune, and Religion News Blog. Excuse me, religionnewsblog.com. Are you ready? I'm ready. On July 19, 2004, at 10.07 a.m., a call comes in to 911 in Salt Lake City, Utah. Mark Hacking reports his wife, Lori Hacking, missing, saying she hasn't returned from her early morning jog. After hanging up with 911, Mark begins calling friends and family, asking if they have seen Lori. He even calls Salt Lake Wells Fargo Branch, where Lori works as a trading assistant. Do you know this one? I think I have heard this one, but it has been a little while. So I'm in my mind, I'm missing some details, but I'm like 98% sure I've heard this one. Okay. Okay. So anyways, let's see. Uh, so he called Lori's work. That's where we were. Oh, Brandon Hodge, who is a colleague of Lori's. He tells Mark that, no, she hasn't shown up to work, which is highly unusual for her because Lori is a very punctual person. So at 10.49 a.m., Mark makes another call to 911, telling the operator that his wife still hasn't shown up and she isn't at work either. He tells them that he even ran Lori's usual jogging route at Memorial Grove Park, and there was no sign of her even though her car was still parked at the entrance. He was persistent about needing the police to help him in his search for his wife. After the second call to 911, Lori's friends and family and colleagues volunteered to help Mark search, but nothing came of it. They all came up empty-handed. Nothing. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. All right. According to friends and family, Mark and Lori Hacking were inseparable from the moment they met. Though they attended the same high school. Okay, just kidding. I was gonna ask about like what age they were, but Okay, they, so are they like more newly married or mm, late twenties? Kinda. Of. So we'll get kind of more into that, but Okay. Okay. So when no, let me let me go. I don't know why Mark I was asking is about the <laughs> No, I think age is kind of Kind of plays into psychological and it kind yeah, of that's true it's nice to know so at the time uh that mark calls about lori being missing mark is 28 and lori is 27. all right according sure. to friends and family mark and lori hacking were inseparable from the moment they met though they attended the same high school in orem utah they didn't officially meet until on a school trip to lake powell utah they hit it off when Mark tried to be cool 
and moved burning wood from one campfire to another, burning himself, and Lori being the one to render first aid. That seems like such like a high school boy thing to do. Doesn't it? Oh, yeah. So uh, I think that it was like in 1994, 95 that happened. Okay. They were married in 1999. Friends and family recall being so impressed by the strong and intimate relationship Mark and Lori had. Though young, they seemed so deeply in love with each other. In 2004, the couple were preparing to move to Chapel Hill, North Carolina, where Mark had been accepted to medical school. And on top of that, they had just discovered that Lori was five weeks pregnant with their first child. So there's like, this is like a good like happy happy time of their lives like relationship like they are they have so many things to look forward to oh yeah so prime of their lives it seems like yeah all right back to the case in the early hours of july 20th 2004 just hours after lori has been reported missing things took a bit of a dramatic turn as a disturbance call came into 911 when officers showed up on scene they found Mark Hackey wandering the streets, completely naked, wearing only a pair of sandals. It appeared that Mark was suffering a mental breakdown. The loss of his pregnant wife had put him into a serious emotional crisis. He was admitted to the University of Utah's psychiatric unit where he was placed on a psych hold for a few days. That's so crazy. Just like thinking, just because you know, when someone goes missing, especially like a married person, the first suspect is the spouse. I mean, again, she is only missing at this point, so I'm not sure. But yeah, I remember this. But like I said, I, I for some reason, I can't remember how it turns out. But as you keep going, I'm like, oh, I remember, I remember this. So I it's just making me more if curious. Cause... Remembering because I remember our parents watching this on the news. Like, when I looked up this case and I saw some of the pictures of Mark and Lori, I was like, deja vu. Crazy. We'll have to keep going, and I'm sure it will, like, spark more memories of it. Oh, yeah. So, he has now been placed on a cycle because he is obviously having mental breakdown from this. Uh, So, later that same day, so July 20th, Lori's family held a press conference pleading with the public to help provide any information regarding Lori's disappearance. They also distributed hundreds of missing person flyers throughout the Salt Lake area, and like they just kept it in the news. They were very proactive from the beginning. The police oh, yeah. jumped in to help. Usually they, they wait. They said they usually wait for 24 hours. But it seemed like pretty serious, and so they jumped right. They in jumped out. right on it. Probably, especially after um, Mark's mental break, like oh, that yeah. would like be like. I okay, feel like they really something. push it. Like something is seriously wrong. We need to figure this out. Yeah. Well, that's happening. They're getting the missing person flyers out. The investigation continues, and detectives find some interesting information that led them into a deep dive of lies and deception. Mark Hacking was not all he claimed to be. Mark had told Lori and her family, along with his family and many of their friends, 
that he had graduated with honors in psychology from the University of Utah. He also told them that he had been accepted to medical school at the University of North Carolina. These were lies. Very big lies. In fact, Mark had dropped out of university in 2002, so he never graduated. That was like two years earlier? Yes, but he continued the charade of attending classes, studying, writing term papers, so he pretended to do this all day while Lori is working, and how, I mean, this is a two-year period. How do you keep up this lie that you literally, like, it's a daily thing, a 24-7 thing that you have to... he studied and he wrote papers. She saw him writing term papers. She saw him studying. Her family saw him studying. His family I can't even keep a surprise, though, so I mean... Oh, yeah. So he even went as far as traveling across the country to fake interviews for different medical schools. And him and Lori even went to North Carolina to the University of North Carolina, and they toured the school together. He is literally a con artist. Yeah. (laughs) Let's keep going, though, because there's there's more. So the only truth he had going for him at the moment was that he worked in the psychiatric unit at that same hospital that he has just been admitted to, right? To the university psychiatric okay, there's unit. There's no way that like he was actually suffering from a mental break. If everything else mm. are lies. Oh, let's, this, oh, let's keep what? going. Okay, okay, we keep going. Talk about it. Okay. After we finish. All right. Like, all right. I want to come back to that. Okay. I want to come back to that. So no, you're good. So yeah, he worked as an orderly in the evenings at the psychiatric unit, which is you want to hear a crazy fact. So our uncle. Was I, I want to say I think he was doing his residency there or something at the psychiatric unit. So he at the same knew time. Mark Hacking. Wow. He knew him really well. So he knew him from working with him or when he got, I think, both. Oh, wow. I, I, I did not know that. Both. I could be wrong, but I I think both. Jeez. Yeah, I did so know that. So interesting. That is interesting. There. Hmm. So no one. Not even Mark's family could fathom the revelation of his education, or lack of education, we should say, because he came from a very well-educated family. His father was a highly sought-out pediatrician, his mom was a nurse, and two of his brothers were scientists, so education, they were like a, I shouldn't say well-off, but they were well-off, they were very loved by their community, people knew them, they went to school, they were, you know, they were just... yeah. They, they were had shocked. That. They were shocked to learn that he had been lying to them. Oh yeah, I mean to everyone. Yeah, I mean like I can't even, even process those lies. They're huge, and they go on for years. Yeah, he friends even came forward and said he went out. He even went as far as sending them graduation announcements, like to his college graduation. Yeah, just saying, hey, I graduated from college. Look at me, I have a. A psychology degree. I crazy, right? Something is wrong. Again, we'll come back to that because I have I have some thoughts on it. But All right, we're gonna go forward. Like I said, his father was a pediatrician, mom a nurse, brothers were scientists. It was found that his deception was beginning to unravel just a few days 
before Lori went missing. No. She figured it out. She called Mark's medical school to ask about financial aid. It was then that she was told they had no record of Mark's enrollment and, in fact, had no record of him ever applying to the school. Oh, no. So this is just a couple of days before. I couldn't She's imagine. getting ready to leave her job so that they could move over to North Carolina. He was going to medical school. They had such Pregnancy a on top of it? Yeah. Like, I can't imagine, like, finding this out about my husband. Like, that you had been I to? would honestly just, I'd be so confused. Confused and, and like, probably angry, a little angry, upset. But, like, panicked? Like, I don't know. Like, maybe there's miscommunication. Maybe they, yeah. they're wrong. They're like, there's no way I could believe that my husband. Oh, yeah. I'd, I'd for sure be like, maybe I called the wrong school. Maybe, it, maybe yeah. I totally heard him wrong. You know, something like that. It gets worse. No. Even more damning, police discovered that on the morning of Lori's disappearance, Mark was seen purchasing a brand new mattress between 9.45 and 10.15, right before the first 911 call. Circumstantial evidence at best, but still suspicious, especially when he claims to have been looking for her. Please, please tell me there are cameras in this case. Oh, yes. Okay. Okay. So the more investigators dug, the more they became convinced that they were dealing with the homicide. And Mark was their number one person of interest. As he should be at this point. I'm going to list off some of the evidence that they found when they searched their apartments and various other locations that kept coming up. So here's just some of the evidence that I said. So the couple's box screen, because they had found stains that they assumed to be blood. So where did they find this? Like in a dumpster? The couple's box spring was still in their house. So he Oh, okay. They just yep. took the mattress. Got it. Okay. They found they did find a receipt for a new mattress and new bedding. A bloody knife found in the nightstand. A clump of hair found in a dumpster. Oh. And you'll be happy to know. As well yes. along with I would say Garrett from Murder with My Husband. Oh, yes. Because one of our favorites, by the way, surveillance video tapes from three different locations, a hospital, a Mormon church located near the park where she had allegedly gone missing, and from a convenience store that was frequented. Lori's car keys in their apartment, remember, she had said, or he had said that the car was left at the entrance of the park when he went to go look for her. But, oh, so, so why were how would it be at the park? How like why were her keys at the apartment and not with her car or with, with her, her wherever she is? Yeah, that that doesn't play out. And there's just so 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 much more that kept mounting. Oh, okay. So after all this evidence started mounting, Lori's family braced themselves for the unimaginable. So even though the evidence was piling up and proving more and more likely that Lori was dead, her family was determined to find her body so that they could bury her, her and her unborn child. So a week into the investigation, investigators' suspicions of Mark were confirmed. When on July 25th, 2004, they received information from Scott and Lance Hacking, Mark's own brothers. 
Scott and Lance went to visit Mark the day before. So on, they went to visit him on July 24th. While he was still in the hospital. This is when he was okay, still in the psych ward. They talked with him and they begged him to tell them the truth. They wanted him to t- tell them what happened to Lori. And Mark confessed. Ugh, what did he do? He told his brothers that on the night of July 18th, Lori had confronted him about the information she had learned from the medical school in North Carolina. They got into a heated argument over it, and while Lori lay asleep in their bed, Mark shot her with a 22 rifle. He then used the knife, the bloody knife that was found in the nightstand, to cut up the mattress and the carpet where blood had spilled. He then rolled her up in the carpet and dumped her body into a dumpster. Please say this is what was caught on camera. So what was caught on camera, I, uh, in my research, they proved that Lori was not driving the car. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, I remember this, actually. They saw on, like, one of the, the streetlight cameras that it was a man driving the car. Mm-hmm. I, okay, yeah, I remember that. Yep. When he said he placed her body and the carpet and the mattress into different dumpsters, this is where the convenience store and the hospital gotcha. cameras came in because to see him pull up. Yes. To see. He confessed to his brother's because his brothers knew, and that's got to be hard, because I love my siblings. They loved him enough to be like, please, you you need to just tell us what happened. Yeah. So Mark Hacking was arrested on August 2nd, 2004, and charged with first-degree murder on August 9th. The police began searching for Lori's remains at a municipal landfill, so that's just the place all the garbage is taken to. And at 8.20 a.m. on October 1st, 2004, human remains were found and later that afternoon confirmed to be the remains of Lori Hackey, which is just incredible because when you hear of them trying to find evidence, like in other stories, other cases, it's almost impossible. Oh, yeah. Especially in the the landfills. Yeah, in the landfills, Mm -hmm. like, that is so much crap to dig through. Literally. Like, especially after it's like months after the fact, too. Yeah. Well, that they, they finally started, were able to find her. So they started searching, I think, pretty quickly after yeah. he told them. After he confessed, they started. And still, so that it was still took them from, three months. let's say, August to October. Yeah. So, so almost a, three months, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe even to a, find a little her. over. So, yeah, that's insane. Yeah. So, at first, Mark Hacking pleaded not guilty. Even after confessing? Even after confessing, he pleaded not guilty. But again, his family, his brothers are like, Mark, come on, man. Just do what's right. Do what's right. Don't put our family through this. Don't put her family through this. Lori that deserves is huge better. Of his brothers, honestly. Yeah, his brothers said, like, Lori deserves better. Yeah. Do what's right. Come on. So, on April 15th, 2005, Mark Hacking pleaded guilty to first-degree murder in exchange for prosecutors dropping other charges. And on June 6, 2005, Mark was sentenced to six years to life in prison, prison, the maximum possible sentence under Utah law at the time. Um, I'm just going to mention this. Because Lori's remains were too decomposed to verify her pregnancy, that's the only reason Mark did not end up facing the death penalty penalty in Utah. Yeah, that's because if it would have been they would have been able to prove that she was pregnant, that would have been another body. 
considered another oh, yeah. body. So anyways, so, uh, this is also important because, sorry, in July 2005, the Utah Board of Pardons made it clear. So he was sentenced to six years to life in prison, but the yes. Utah Board of Pardons made it clear that Mark wouldn't be considered for parole until 2035 at the earliest. So meaning he would have to serve at least 30 years in prison first. Okay, that's good. Because when I first honestly heard six years, I was like, mm, no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, Thanks. you're not the only one. Yeah, apparently there was a lot of public outcry from obviously her family and from the public because this was a pretty big case in the news. Oh, yeah, um, sure. And with all the lies and stuff, too, it's more than just like, I mean, I shouldn't say this, but you never know if he's going to continue off. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, with all the Again, that's something I want to go back and stuff. talk, talk about right. a little bit. But, no, for real. So there was a lot of outcry. They're like, six, six years, really? Really? Yeah. So, actually, because of this, on March 20th, 2006, so a year after, like I said, there's a lot of outcry, um, Utah House Bill 102 was signed into law. This law is known as Lori's Law. This law makes it so people who are convicted of first-degree murder in Utah must serve at least 15 years before being considered for parole. Thank you. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I mean, that still, like, isn't a lot of time for a life, but... But still, they have to at least serve 15 years. Oh, yes. Way better than... Six. six. That's just, even that even after the you know the board came and said no no he he won't be able to serve oh yeah get for parole. thirty years. but still uh, like in other cases it's like no oh yeah no no I agree. Um, Mark Hacking currently resides at the Central Utah Correctional Facility in Gunnison, Utah, and that's where he is to this day. So in Lori's memory, her mother Thelma Sores with the help of many generous donors, set up a scholarship to the University of Utah, known as the Lori K. Suarez Hacking Scholarship Fund. And this fund goes to women who come from troubled homes, who come from troubled relationships, who are getting out of domestic abuse relationships and stuff like that. It goes to women and it gets them into the business program at the University of Utah. Which is amazing that they can pull something good out of this terrible thing that has happened to them. Like, it just speaks highly of them. Well, and like they how they're so many donors. paying forward. And it's so just, it's amazing donors. that you can tell Oprah the Winfrey love of the community. Oprah was even one of the donors. Oprah Winfrey was even one of the donors wow, to this. Wow, that's amazing. And so I think the first uh, recipient of it happened who got the scholarship it happened in 2011 the first right. person was able so now i brought up her mom thelma sores and she is an incredible woman i don't think i could go through what she did and do what she has done so in an interview with deseret news 10 years after the, her daughter's death so this is 2014 thelma revealed that she has forgiven Mark, stating, does it mean what I think he did was okay? Of course not. Does it mean that I have some understanding of why he did it? Yes. If you've forgiven someone, you still feel anguish, but not anger. You still feel hurt, but not hate. 
That's exactly how I feel. She also said that she's in contact with Mark. They write letters to each other regularly. Thelma had many kind words for Mark, saying that he was this good kid who let the pressure and his depression get to him. Wow. Like, just wow. wow. I mean, what she said, like, she honestly put it so beautifully. Beautifully, like, you still feel hurt, but not hate. Like, just all those words, like, you yeah. can tell, like, well, she's she got to be like, such I have a not strong forgotten, woman. And I will not forget. Oh, no. But, but if I don't at least forgive, I'm just poisoning myself. Like, yeah, wow. That's, I know. I'm I like, mean, I, could I not can't imagine. I, I, that's, yeah. Yeah, I don't know that I could so do that. The compassion that she feels, that she's willing to communicate, they have built a relationship. Got some compassion and forgiveness that she shows for the man that she trusted with her daughter, who in turn killed her daughter, is just amazing to open her heart and let him back in to build a relationship with him despite what he has done leaves me almost speechless i don't think i could do it i'm feeling pretty speechless and like amazed i don't even i don't even know this woman but like i almost like look up to her like what an incredible human being i will (laughs) say i highly highly recommend reading the full article she had stopped doing interviews. She was like, I'm done. The case is closed. But this article that she did, so it it's done by the Deseret News, and it's done 10 years after her daughter was killed. Yes. And, again, I just rem- recommend reading it because it goes more into details. It, it lists even some of the things that Mark has, has to say, and that's why I want to go back to his mental breakdown. Yeah. So I was talking to my husband about it. And I'm like, do you think he had the medical breakdown because he was feeling guilt? That is true. I did jump to conclusions right there. But as we, was as we kept fashion, going, he didn't plan to kill Yeah. Her. As we kept going, I was kind of thinking that. I was like, wait. That, it's just. I mean, I'm not saying like he, what he did was wrong. No, no. Crime of passions. Is that the right way to say that? Crimes of. Cri- thank you. Crimes of passion. They're, they're ones that you don't plan. Like, yeah. They just, in the heat of the moment, you get so angry. Yeah. But it makes sense what Thelma Soares, Lori's mom says, he was so under pressure. His, I mean, I mean, look at his family. They're all well educated. He probably felt so much pressure to live up to that, his, his name and yeah, everything. And she said he was very a uh, depressed guy. And he, he, she was able to say, even though it was her own daughter, Again, that he let his own feelings get the best of him. And he knows what he did was wrong. And she can forgive him for that. She won't forget it. But she can forgive him for that. For the crime of passion that he committed. Uh, Which I think goes to show, like, yeah, he was probably feeling a lot of guilt. Which sent him into that. If they've been writing and stuff, she probably knows a lot more than we do. So... I don't know. I'm I'm just speechless. Like you said, I don't. I, don't I just know don't what to understand. Think or like, say honestly, I think that the thing that frustrates me is when you're in a married relationship, you should trust your spouse enough that if you are struggling, like, hey, he could not hack school. Like he he was struggling. He should have said, hey, I've got to drop out. I'm, this is not for me. Yeah, I would bet you that Lori would have. 
she probably would have been like, okay, well, what are we going to do? What can we do to move forward? Yeah. Like, how can it I could help have put, you? It would have, you know, been a hardship, I think. Oh, it would have but been. I like, it's something you can move forward with and move past. Like, it's not. Dude, school was not for me. Oh, me neither. I could not do school. I no, tried. No, same. And I just, it wasn't for me. I, I also never thought I'd be a stay-at-home mom, but here I am. Yeah. So I'm like, that's, I think that's what frustrates me is that instead of just saying, you know what, I think my calling is somewhere else in life. I can't do school. Let's move forward from this. He lied. That's what I can't get over is all these lies that just built and built and built to the breaking point. Like what would have happened if they made it to North Carolina? How was he going to fake medical school? Yeah. Because I mean, he could probably continue faking school. I mean, he already had fake school. For how long? But when he finishes medical school, he's can't pretend to be a doctor. You I know? mean, there are uh, cases where somebody has pretended. It's it's definitely interesting, but I can, after, like, again, <laughs> I'm, I know I've, I've been repetitive here, but re, I highly recommend reading that article, and I think I will even, I'll probably put it in the show notes, that article that uh, Thelma Soares t- does and talks about it, because after reading that, it especially after researching this case kind of makes you rethink everything it a made me rethink the whole thing and how i understood the case yeah and so and again thelma you are amazing and i don't even know you but i strive to be like you to be a compassionate understanding and forgiving person like you amen all right. Sorry, that got a little serious for a moment, but um, yeah, that's it for this week. Stay safe out there, potatoes, and we will see you next week for a new episode. Bye.